Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,595. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm revved up and very excited to share with you today, Derek Moore. He's calling in from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Derek Moore is the director of collections and curator of the National Corvette Museum there in beautiful Bowling Green, Kentucky. As a lifelong automotive enthusiast, Derek has turned his passion into his career. Perfect for Cars Yeah. Past roles have included the Crawford Curator of Transportation History at the Western Reserve Historical Society and Conservation Specialist for Transportation Collections at the Henry Ford. We've had a few guests here from the Henry Ford here on Cars Yeah. As an automotive historian, he is passionate about connecting the formative years of the automobile to the present and how the automobile has impacted society and culture. Derek's interest in the automobile and its history have led him to collect a few vehicles, and he currently owns some very interesting rides, a 1917 Overland, a 1919 Chevrolet, a 23 Peerless, and a 1961 Ford Falcon. We'll be back in just a minute to talk with Derek, but first a word from our valued sponsors that make this show possible. So stay in your seat, keep your seatbelt on. We're going to have some fun. We'll be right back. When it comes to your vehicles, things can get a little messy. Rain, snow, salt, mud, dirt, and everything Mother Nature comes up with can hurt the finish of your vehicles, both inside and out, like that bird on the branch up above your car. I'm not worried, though, because I've used Covercraft products on my ride since 1975. That's right, since 1975. Today, Covercraft offers you a total solution for vehicle protection. They make the best fitting, finest made car covers in the world and offer a wide variety of materials, colors, and options that protect your paint and the interior, whether your car is inside or outside. Plus, they keep your car cool when it's parked in the sun. Live where it's really sunny all the time? <laughs> Lucky. Covercraft covers and sunscreens are the best. If you've got pets, messy kids, messy in-laws, just plain messy friends, Covercraft seat covers are the perfect fit and perfect solution for keeping your seats looking new. They're easy on, easy off, and they're easy to wash too. And don't forget Covercraft's custom fit floor mats and trunk liners, plus they're very handy seat back organizers. They are must-haves for all your vehicles. Your car, your truck, your van, or whatever you drive will say thank you. And I've got a deal for you. If you use the code YEAH120, that's Y-E-A-H-120, at Covercraft.com, you can get 10% off your Covercraft order. Just go to Covercraft.com, check out all the products they have to protect your vehicles, use the code YEAH120 at checkout, and get that 10% discount. That's Covercraft.com, and use YEAH120 at checkout. Covercraft, they've got you covered. The fourth annual Saratoga Motor Car Auction will take place on Friday, September 18th and Saturday, September 19th. It will be held at the Saratoga Performing Arts Center in the beautiful Saratoga Spa State Park located in upstate New York. 
Presented by the Saratoga Automobile Museum, a not-for-profit institution, this live event continues to be the premier collector car auction for the Northeastern United States. Proceeds from the auctions help support the museum's educational programs and exhibits that engage, educate, and inspire the automotive community. To consign your vehicle, view current inventory, and register to bid, visit SaratogaMotorCarAuctions.org. There you can learn how finance partner J.J. Best Bank and insurer partner Haggerty can help put you in your dream vehicle. That's SaratogaMotorCarAuctions.org. What do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over 100 professional wins, multiple wins at the 24-hour of Daytona, and a win at Le Mans? Well, if you're Kevin Buckler, a racer and the racing group's team owner, you create Adobe Road Winery. Located in Petaluma, California, he and his team have created a winning combination with the Racing Series, four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, and a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends titled Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. Today, I'm going to tell you about Redline. It's a rich and complex blend delivering a taste of ripe blackberries, black cherry licorice, and a hint of toasty oak. An added very cool option is that this features the world's first interactive wine label. That's right. When you pour the wine, the three-dimensional tachometer actually hits the red line. It's incredible. The Racing Series is a killer gift for the automotive enthusiast in your life, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word in all caps, when you go to checkout, you'll get $10 off any purchase of wines from the Racing Series. The wine ships promptly and arrives quickly right at your door. Use the code CARSYEAH checkout for $10 off of your purchase today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the Racing Series. Go to adoberoadwines.com and use the code CARSYEAH to save $10 today. Cheers! Hey, Derek, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Thank you, Mark. Uh, I'm not in one of my uh, antique cars, so I am buckled in and ready to go. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, before we get rolling here, I always like to ask my guests this question. What's one little thing about you, Derek, that most people don't know? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I had to think uh, I think about this one a little bit. I got to think here, but... Uh, Probably in, it's non-automotive related, but uh, back when I was in high school, and I'm, I'm, I'm opening up to the world here, I was actually a male cheerleader for my high school. No kidding. Okay, cool. Yes. Well, uh, I think there's an advantage there because you get to be around all the female cheerleaders, right? Yes. Yeah. I, you know, that was, that was one of the good things about, you know, a lot of the, a lot of people would always say, you know, you, you probably have actually one of the, you know, fun extracurricular activities because you get to hang out with all the cheerleaders. Yeah. You're the smartest guy in school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I remember that's why I took uh, typing classes back in junior high. When I was in junior high in the seventies, everybody laughed going, why do you need to learn how to type? Well, <laughs> Not that I knew this thing called computers were coming along, but boy, am I glad I did. But I did it because it was full of girls. So my good buddy Mike and I signed up for that class. And, uh, you know, every day I sit at this keyboard and I go, man, I'm glad I learned how to type. 
because uh, we all have to type now. Well, listen, as we continue on your journey, I want to start by asking you a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires smoking since we're talking Corvettes here on Cars. Yeah, so Derek, uh, grab the wheel. Oh, yeah, not a problem. I mean, I guess one that has stuck out in my mind was uh, something that was said to me very early in my uh, career. And, um, you know, it, it was after a breakdown of a vehicle, believe it or not. And, you know, a, a colleague said to me, you know, if, if we choose to run these vehicles, we risk damage occurring and needing to repair them. And although that is uh, something that applies very much to, you know, owning old cars and operating them, you know, I kind of thought back and reflected on that after I was told that and really kind of, I guess, used it as inspiration and, and a mantra in, in my life in general, because I really got to thinking about it. And uh, it kind of made sense to me that, you know, if you choose to do anything that that is a risk and and setting a goal for yourself, there's going to be problems along the way. There's going to be things that, you know, you, you make a mistake on and you have to fix it. And, you know, it's, it's like the old saying, I guess, you know, the, the masters are masters for a reason because they've learned from all their mistakes and that's why they're a master now. And so that, that kind of stuck with me, you know, if, and, you know, if we choose to, you know, run these cars, if we choose to take this risk, well, then we've got to fix things along the way and make life and make the cars better and, and continue to operate them and continue to grow in life. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the worst thing, as you know, this being at a museum, the worst thing for cars is for them to sit. Uh, they don't like sitting very well. Things start to go bad. And every time I bought a car that I, it's been a collector car that's been low mileage. At first I thought, oh, great, low mileage. But every time I get it home, there's all these things that have to be fixed because all the seals are dried up. It hasn't been run. The tires are flat spotted. So uh, yeah, get out there and enjoy your vehicles. Uh, enjoy them a little bit and have some fun. Well, let's dive into the museum here because the Corvette Museum, of course, the National Corvette Museum is hailed and known as the premier place to go when you love Corvettes. Nearby, you can go on a tour of the factory. I mean, it's the place to be. I would love for you to tell our listeners more about why they should make an effort to get to the museum. But before we dive into that, and I also want to talk about your podcast because you guys do a, a podcast as well, which is fantastic. How has this pandemic affected you guys and how you've had to change the way you function? I know the museum is back open now, right? Correct. Yeah, we opened uh, June 8th. Okay. Uh, we were allowed to open. And, um, you know, we took a lot of steps to, you know, make sure our guests would be safe. Uh, while they were here at the museum, of course, Kentucky, every state has its, you know, rules that it's put in place, you know, suggestions on, on how to open safely. Um, you know, we sat down and, and really thought about you know, how we were going to do it. Obviously, we're, you know, running at, um, you know, about 33% capacity. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, we're enough, big enough building, large enough facility, let's call it, that on a normal day, we don't typically see, you know, that number because we have enough space here. But we had to think about our interactives. We had to think about, you know, people as they move through the building, through tight areas, things like that. One of the, the worst things, I guess, or one of the most disappointing things to me as the, the curator and, and the guy who developed one of the recent exhibits is we put in an exhibit that relies heavily on touchscreen interactives. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it was kind of the grand opening of it at the reopening of the museum. And it was like, well, we can't use any of the touch screens. So oh, we sat gosh. down and, and really thought about it and tried to get creative and how can we do it safely? 
And what we've done is we have uh, we're giving out you know the um, finger cots, the protective oh, finger yeah, cots, latex yeah. and cotton okay. that go over your finger, allowing people to still use the touch screens, but with a kind of like a face mask, yeah. you know, it's, it's face mask for your fingers. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and um, so we have all of our we're able to have our touch screens up and running. We also clean them regularly. Our uh, cleaning crew goes through and wipes them down yeah. on you know a regular routine. You know, and then we've we've created really cool. You know, a lot of people you see it in the grocery stores, things like that. Stickers on the floor that say you know stay six feet apart. Right. Well, we had to get a little more creative than that. So a lot of them you know say. Uh, Make sure you stay ZO six feet apart. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. get some Corvette little you know nods in yeah. there. So no tailgating. Uh, we've done a lot. Yeah, <laughs> no. Ta- there is a no tailgating one out there too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Well, let's talk about the museum some more. Taking COVID aside, and I admire you guys for what how you've had to work around this. Oh my gosh, what a challenge for everybody. But you think about a museum that had to close basically shut down like so many companies have. Taking all that aside, what are some of the great things about the National Corvette Museum that a visitor, now that we're coming into to summertime travel season, why they should make a trip there and what are the great things they're going to see? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm a little biased towards the exhibits and collections because that's what I do here. Yep. But, I mean, we've got fantastic exhibits, and many people kind of hail this as, as the mecca of Corvette. Oh, yeah. The assembly plant is right across the street. You know, the museum's here. We have a motorsports park with a, a you know, a, a racetrack across the street the freeway from us, you know, so there's, there's a lot of things to do here, but you know, when you come here, a lot of people, I think they just think, Oh, I'm going to go to a museum that, you know, just talks about specifically Corvettes and, and I'm just going to learn about Corvette, but we've really aimed over the last few years to really make it more about why Corvette is so important in the greater automotive world. So we actually start out in our, uh, the very first gallery you walk in talking about, European sports cars, the American sport, sports car post World War II. You know, we've got an MGTC and a Crosley Hot Shot in the exhibit, yeah. and then we have the world's first fiberglass car in the exhibit, the 1946 Stout Y46. Mm. So it, it surprises people because they walk in and there's non-Corvettes in the Corvette Museum. Well, you know, it's about telling that greater story of how Corvette came to be, and then throughout the museum, you learn about some of the competition that led it to become greater. You know. We have a, a Ford Thunderbird in the exhibits. You know, we've had a Dodge Viper on exhibit to talk about the challenge that the Viper provided to Corvette to make Corvette step up and be better and better during the fourth generation. And so there's a lot to learn here, but then there's also a lot of fun things to do here. Once we get through some more of this, you know, coronavirus, COVID-19, plant tours are going to be reopening later this year. So people are going to be able to go over to the plant and tour again. And of course, now you're going to be able to see as we call the exhibit, the vision realized you're going to see the production mid-engine Corvette finally being produced and coming out for people to own and drive. And then over at our motorsports park, you can go over there and rent a C8, a mid-engine Corvette, drive it around the track, experience the car in person without having to buy it. And, uh, you know, we have other fun things like go-kart racing, stuff like that. But, I mean, you can spend a, a whole day or a whole weekend here immersed in automotive history and Corvette history. No doubt. There's so much to do there. It's so cool. Now, you guys also have a podcast. Tell me about that. 
Yeah, so I do a podcast as well outside of outside of the work hours, let's call it. It's called No Driving Gloves. It's with two other gentlemen. You know, it's kind of a, a co-host situation. Actually, we've added another one, so there's four of us that bounce around. It's really what we wanted to do is bring together different perspectives of the automotive world. So myself from the museum kind of conservation curatorial world, Will Posey is a gentleman who runs Big Oak Garage, a hot rod shop that's fairly well known. So the hot rod side of the world... We We have John Viviani, who kind of is the main host, let's say the guy who put it together. And he's had a lot of experience from being a collector guy in the the truck, mini truck hobby or the, you know, the kind of that slammed truck uh, hobby to museum world. And he's been all around. And then we have a guy named Sean Yoder who builds simulators, racing simulators. So we wanted to bring a diverse selection of us together. We have guests on. Sometimes we just get on and and talk about a topic. And really the goal of it is to, you know, at at the core of what we do is we're, we're there to talk to our guests and try to get the younger generations more involved. We talk about our experiences as, as younger kids, what drew us in and uh, try to encourage the younger generation that listens to us or the parents of younger generations that the car hobby is not a bad thing. Let your kids get involved and have fun with it. Absolutely. Very cool. I love it. Very, very cool. I'll make sure I put links to those on the show notes page here for Derek. Just look up Derek Moore, M-O-O-R-E, and you'll find that there. And you can find links to the podcast and, of course, the website for the National Corvette Museum. And I encourage you to go and visit the website until you can get to the museum and enjoy that as well. You know, uh, Derek, I always like to ask my guests about a big challenge in their life or maybe even a big failure they faced. And this is more about how they came out of it in a positive way and what were the learning lessons. So kind of walk us through one of those times in your life, if you would, and then tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your career and your life and your business. Yeah. So I guess if it's all right, can I take a, a non-automotive story from my life for this one? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm I'm also a, a I enjoy music. Um, I I played low brass. I'm a trombone player. Oh, cool. And when I was you know for about 14 years old, well, when I was 14 years old, you can't really be about 14 years old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're either there <laughs> or you're not there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I was 14 years old, I had um, I, w- I went to band camp and I had an opportunity to try out for an international program that they did. An actual, you know, you'd go overseas and I tried out for the international symphony band that they did, and um, somehow wound up in the international jazz ensemble. Now I didn't I didn't okay. play jazz. I never read a jazz chart in my life, and I'm 14 years old. And the rules to get into the jazz ensemble, I didn't meet like three quarters of them. <laughs> okay. So I was kind of, you know, you're a 14-year-old kid, you're kind of freaking out because, you know, I was going into this and most of the kids in this group were juniors and seniors and I'm an incoming freshman to high school. So, you know, I'm playing with 16, 17-year-old, 18-year-old kids that have a lot more experience than I did. You know, it really kind of freaked me out as a a young kid and talked to the director of the jazz ensemble and he said, there was just something about the way you played that... I wanted you in the band oh, okay. um, you know, cool. during your, your tryouts. You know, I was like, well, but I don't understand anything that's <laughs> yeah. going on here. Yeah. And uh, he said, well, I'll help with that. And he came up with some creative ways to make sure the other kids didn't know that I wasn't as experienced in playing the music as they were. You uh-huh. know, I was thinking about backing out. My parents said, no, you really should do this. They encouraged me. And I stuck with it. And I learned. I The right. big thing was I stuck with it. 
I learned. And, you know, it, it proved to me that even though I was afraid of something and there was a desire to run from it, just dig your heels in and learn. And I succeeded. And, you know, I went to Europe. I spent a month and a half overseas oh, wow. and uh, with this group playing, you know, touring Europe, playing jazz. Okay. And I came back able to play jazz. Nice. You know, I, I came back with a new experience, a new lesson. And, you know, that I think that has helped me throughout because, you know, I mean, this is probably going to be a running theme through this, this show and topic, but every time you work on a new car and, and I, and I'm especially fond of, of very early automobiles, they're all different. And every time you dive into one of them, you have to learn about them because they're not the same as another car that was built in that same year. And they're definitely not the same as a car built today. Right. So it's kind of always about digging in, learning, and coming out with a new experience. Yeah, what a great lesson. And what a great experience for a young kid to travel around Europe and play. Oh my gosh, especially a 14-year-old, because that's that awkward middle school time when you're trying to be a grown-up, but you're not. And to be able to hang around with older people and travel and be somewhat independent must have been a wonderful wonderful experience. I'm I'm sure now you're glad your parents kind of nudged you into that and said, "Hey, give this a shot. Plus that teacher, what a nice teacher to have yes. to, to help you along. So yeah, great story. And, and the only thing, honestly, the only thing I regret, um, is that I was almost too young to appreciate what I was, some of what I was seeing, right. Uh, you know, the culture over there, the history, oh, yeah. um, I was almost too young to ex appreciate it. So, yeah. but yeah. I did appreciate what I could. Absolutely. So. Ah, great story. Thanks for sharing that. Well, let's take a short break. Thank our sponsors here. When we come back, we're going to talk about your personal automotive journey, the kind of cars you like and love. You've got some very eclectic taste in older vehicles. So we're going to learn a little bit more about that in a minute. Stay in your seat. Stay buckled up. We'll be right back. American Collectors Insurance, that's who now protects my Porsche Turbo. Yeah, the one I call my orange crush. When it came time to renew my policy, my carrier jacked my rates up, even though I'd been with them for years. I'd never made a claim. No tickets, nothing. What's with that? Adios. So I started shopping around and kept hearing about American Collectors Insurance from fellow automotive enthusiasts, friends, and folks in the car industry. I did some investigating and learned that American Collectors Insurance have been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I'm not a price shopper when it comes to insurance. I want to be able to sleep at night. I also want agreed value protection for my special ride. With an agreed valued policy from American Collectors Insurance, I'll be paid what my vehicle's full agreed value is. A number I set with the insurer at the start of the policy so I know there will be no surprises about what my car's value is, should something terrible happen. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call for a quote today at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love. Make sure you tell them Mark sent you. You'll be glad you did. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car, maybe you have two, or maybe you've got 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. And don't miss my weekly podcast with Keith Martin titled Buy, Sell, Hold. 
It's the essence of collecting. We talk to the movers and shakers in the collector car world. Here's a couple deals I have for you just for listening here on Cars Yeah. If you use the checkout code Cars Yeah, you'll receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription at Sports Car Market. That's an exclusive offer from Cars Yeah. And guess what? Here's another deal. If you'd like to get the actual magazine, use the code BSH for buy, sell, hold. That's code BSH. And you'll get $10 off your annual print subscription. That's right. $10 off. Both of these are exclusive offers here at Cars Yeah for Sports Car Market Magazine. Just go to sportscarmarket.com and get your deals today. Let's step away from the conversation to talk about our charity of choice here at Cars Yeah, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits that are working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through automotive-related events, car shows, and drives. Among those nonprofits is RPM Foundation, a terrific organization working to keep our favorite collector cars on the road. RPM was created to ensure that the specialized skills needed to care for classic automobiles, boats, and motorcycles continue to be passed down from generation to generation. They do this by supporting training for young people with a passion for restoration and setting them up with mentors who can share their valuable knowledge. So far, they've awarded more than $3.5 million to restoration education projects across 35 states. Incredible. To learn more about RPM or to donate to their mission, visit www.rpm.foundation. You'll be glad you did. All right, we're back. Would you share a story that instigated your personal passion for cars, that pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were going to be a car guy? Yeah, so it, it stems back to, obviously, my childhood, my very early childhood. And uh, my father, he was a, a GM body technician, actually, oh, okay. surprisingly, um, specializing in fiberglass. He did all the Corvettes up in, in the area I grew up in, in Michigan, for the body shops mm-hmm. around there. But he also has always loved restoring cars, um, any car, antique, you know, anything. And he used to maintain, work on, and restore cars for a a fairly large automotive collection in the Owasso, Michigan area. Um, It was known as the Mitchell Collection. You may have even heard of it. Mitchell, I have heard of that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Don Mitchell, who ran ran Ionia Car Corporation, Mitchell Bentley, his son Bill Mitchell eventually took over. That collection was the collection my dad did a lot of work on and maintained certain cars. And I used to get to go with him on weekends, stuff like that, when he'd go in. And there was one specific day that I remember still to this day, and it was the first memory I have of sitting in an antique car. And it was the a 1925 Detroit Electric that they had in the collection. Wow. And my dad, you know, I remember him helping me up onto the running board. I, I don't know how old I was. I mean, it probably five, six, somewhere in there. And, you know, helping me up and then into the seat and talking about the unique controls of an electric Detroit electric car, the two levers and all these things. And 
it just stayed with me. But then it came full circle, interestingly enough. I, I'm involved with a, a show at Henry Ford Museum, Greenfield Village Old Car Festival. And a gentleman I know in the Ann Arbor area rolled in one day. He's a, an electric vehicle collector with this beautiful Detroit Electric from 1925. And it looked identical to the one from the Mitchell collection. And so I, my dad and I went over and talked to him. And you know, we were just like, you know, Jack, where did you get this car? And, uh, you know, it's, it's very similar to a car we used to know. And he said, well, I bought it out of the Mitchell collection. Uh-huh. Also. <laughs> was it the same car? It was the same car. So I told him my story and my dad, you know, my dad was there too and telling the story. And, yeah. and Jack, we'd known Jack for a few years already. He said, are you kidding me? I was like, no. He said, get in, take it for a drive. Yeah. So, you know, my dad and I got to probably almost 30 years later, oh my gosh. get in the same car that started my passion, basically the first memory of my passion, and got to drive it around Greenfield Village. And I'll tell you this, the smell and yeah. the feel of the interior yeah. brought every memory back oh, from yeah. that first time I spent in it. How fun. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Well, let's talk about your personal car, the first one that you got in, in your life that was real special for you. What was that? Yeah, so there's there's actually kind of two, and uh-huh. I hope that's okay. Oh, sure. Um, because my dad and I got them right around the same time. We had a 1974 Pontiac GTO, okay. and right about the same time, we also acquired a, a 1929 Roosevelt built by the Marmon Corporation. Those were really the first two cars that I really dove into major restoration work with my dad on. So those are the two that, let's say, I cut my teeth on in the automotive restoration and you know maintenance and, and just being in the car hobby. Those are the, the two cars that really mean a lot to me. And, and when I look back on actually working on vehicles and, and starting that ability to be mechanical and, and do body work and, and do that type of work, those are really the two cars that I look back on fondly. And, and those are the cars that you know, really taught me the lessons and, and the education that I needed to get to where I am today. Very different vehicles, too. And you think about the Marmon Motor Car Company. And I recall, obviously, that car was named after President Theodore Roosevelt and was kind of penned as the affordable automobile. Is that right? Do I have my memory right on that? Yeah. The first straight eight sold in America under $1,000 if you went to the Marmon factory and picked it up. Uh-huh. $995 from factory. And that was their big claim to fame. But yeah, it was their, um, it was their, what they were attempting to do to make an affordable vehicle compared to, of course, the great Marmons of the time that, you know, were thousands of dollars compared to just under a thousand. Yeah. So still out of the market for a lot of Americans in 1929. Of course. But it was their attempt at an affordable automobile. Very cool. Well, here's a little tricky question to kind of climb in your head a little bit here, Derek. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself as a vehicle, kind of manifest as a vehicle, what would Derek Moore be? <laughs> That's a scary place to go, Mark. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, we're on the uh, the psychologist couch today, so we're going to delve into your childhood. <laughs> All right. Well, thinking about it and thinking about my life in general, you know, you have to think about the way you approach things. Right. And for some reason, and here's maybe something else people don't know about me that I'll reveal as well. Okay. My favorite animal is the sloth. The sloth. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a very slow but methodical animal. It thinks about what it's doing. It doesn't 
take any you know rash actions usually. Yeah, and it, everything it does has a purpose. Okay, it, it you know it's that's that's kind of the way the sloth is. I yeah. mean, it, it exists to do its purpose. Yeah. And you know, I, I get compared to a sloth occasionally because <laughs> anytime I approach a project, I think about it very methodically. Okay. I look at it very technically, and to me, everything has to be just right to make the project run right, let's call it. Right. So I got to thinking about it. One of the cars I actually operate at Old Car Festival up at, at Greenfield Village is a replica of the 1886 Benz Patton Motorwagen. Okay. And it, it's kind of the same thing. It's it's a very methodical machine. It's a very technical machine and everything has to be just right for it to run perfectly. So I, I kind of even when I'm on it and running it and driving it and demonstrating it for the guests there, I almost feel like I become part of it because you have to become part of it to make it run properly. So I think if, if I was to be manifested in a car, it would probably be the Benz Patton Motorwagen. Okay. I like that. Great description as well. Reason, I should say. Very, very cool. I've had the pleasure of seeing, uh, is it the original one that's in Stuttgart at the factory, I believe? Yes, there's an original. Yeah. And then uh, yep. they have one at the California Automobile Museum in Sacramento as well, a replica uh, that actually operates and works. And uh, I got to sit in that thing. And, of course, the great story that with uh, Carl Ben's wife, uh, Bertha, is that her name, I think, that took yes, the famous – Ben's took taking the famous tr- first road trip. Yeah, the first road trip. So uh, there you go. I like it. All right, Derek, we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions. Have you give us some quick lightning round blips of that – Mercedes-Benz Motorwagen throttle. Do they have? Can you blip a throttle on a Motorwagen? I don't know. Uh, Not very easily. Not very easily. Yeah. All right. Well, here we go. Uh, What's one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your success in life? I think it's my determination. Uh, As I like to say, I I use the quote from a, a certain TV show, challenge accepted. There you go. I like it. How about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? So the more I dig into automotive history, I think, uh, and this is not because I'm at the Corvette Museum and you know, G- you know, ties to GM, anything like that, but it would probably be Harley Earl, but I'd want to talk to him about his early days with his dad's company and Don Lee Cadillac, not so much about his time at GM, but just his mindset building those custom coachwork vehicles that he did. Nice. How about the best automotive advice someone else has ever offered to you? What would that be? Well, in my personal life, it's been kind of the advice of collect and and buy what makes you happy when you buy a car, because once you buy it, you know, it's, it's yours. And if it doesn't make you happy, there's no sense in having it. You know, I do a second podcast with Keith Martin. He's a publisher of Sports Car Market Magazine called Buy, Sell, Hold. And we interview people who have careers in the automotive industry of buying, collecting vehicles as a profession. And that's the the repeated message over and over. Don't buy a car because your friends tell you should or you think it might be worth money down the road. Buy it because it makes you happy and makes you smile. That is the way to buy a car. So I'm glad you brought that up. How about a resource out there for people? Is there a go-to for you that you'd like to share? Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of websites. But, you know, as I I thought about this question, I keep mentioning Old Car Festival at Greenfield Village. And Mm -hmm. I think that is probably one of the greatest resources out there if you can make it to that show ever in your life. Because not only do you get to meet an amazing array of automotive historians that are there to talk about cars, but you get to see the cars that very you you very seldomly get to see come out and actually run around the village. So it's really a full experience of a resource. And most of the owners of those cars, if you ask nicely if you can go for a ride in one, 
they usually let you hop in and they take you for a ride. Nice. And I don't know if there's any greater resource than actually being in the vehicle, smelling it, feeling it, hearing it, and experiencing it. And I think that's one of the few places you can do that with especially early automobiles. Oh, sounds great. Now, you mentioned books. Is there a book you'd like to share that you think our listeners should read? Yeah, so I have a, I actually have a favorite book being a, a historian of technology, um, oh. you know, more so than just the automobile. And it's it's a book called User Unfriendly by Joseph Korn. It is about uh, the basically the struggles the consumers have with personal technology. So um, he talks about really, you know, kind of the clock being one of the very first personal technologies that enters the American life and then works up through sewing machines and cars and computers. And it's just a very interesting perspective on how people have overcome the struggles of learning to use personal technology Mm -hmm. and how it has impacted our society. Ah, sounds very interesting. That's the first time that book's been recommended there. And I'll remind my listeners, we have a great place on the Car Show website called Guest Recommended Books. It's under the Resources tab. There's over 1,600 books listed there. I made it really easy for you to purchase and find them with a quick click. So this is a new book that's never been recommended. I love that. User Unfriendly by Joseph Korn. I'll make sure I get that listed on Derek's show notes page and on that site or that part of the site, I should say. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here, Derek. Here's a fun thought. I'm going to buy you a cool collector card today. doesn't matter where it is or who owns it, even if it's in the museum there. It's going to be parked in your garage. There's a couple rules, though, to this game. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. I want you to drive it and use it. Uh, and it's the only collector car you can have. That's what could make it very difficult for you since you already have some unique collector cars. That means you'd have to get rid of all of them and only have one. So it needs to tick every box for you personally. What's it going to be? So I think it is a car I have, let's call it lusted after um, in my uh, my career so far. And and I do hope one day to own one of these. But for some reason, I am absolutely just stricken by the 1908-1909 Buick Model Fs. The styling of the the body that's on them, you know, the use of, obviously we're in brass era at that point, so the use of brass, they're a really well-built car. I mean, they're, although they're a two-cylinder, a large Mm two-cylinder vehicle, uh, they are amazing cars to drive and, you know, tour with, and they're a usable car from that time period. So I, I honestly think I would have to go with the you know, 1989-era uh, Buick Model F. Nice choice. You know, you're the first one who's picked that vehicle. It's such an elegant-looking vehicle, in my mind, when you look at the car. I mean, it's just very grand, but not overly grand, like, say, a Rolls-Royce might be or something else. Lovely cars. I've never driven in one or ridden in one. I've seen them on lawns at Pebble, of course, and other places, but a very unique answer to that question. You're the first one who's chosen out of 1,595 people. That's saying something as well. 1908-09 Buick Model F. Very cool. Well, I think that would look very nice parked in your garage. Derek, you've taken me on a great ride today. I knew we'd have some fun here together, and I've really enjoyed your stories. Thanks for sharing your journey. Before I let you go, though, could you offer our listeners one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 1908 Buick Model F? I certainly would like to, and and I'll start out by saying I was actually a a chemistry major in in college when I started. 
And I took a class, a history class, that that changed my perspective on a number of things. Mm-hmm. Basically, what happened was, of course, you know, you get some freshmen. This was not me, by the way. Some freshman in the class, you know, has to raise their hand and say, uh, "Are the tests going to be open book?" And the professor's answer was what changed my mind about history in general as as a, a field of study. He said, "You know what? Sure, you can have open book tests in this class because." you're still going to fail this class because history is not about memorizing names, numbers, or facts. It's about understanding what has happened in the past, what is going on in the present, and how that impacts what's going on today and what's going to happen in the future. And it completely changed because I'm not, I'm not a guy that I don't memorize facts and numbers. I mean, I don't go out. I, I mean, if somebody was to sit here and say, what, what's the horsepower on a 1969 Chevelle with this engine? I don't know. I have to look it up because I don't memorize that. What's important to me is understanding how things change over time. And I think a way to kind of adapt that to words of advice about life is to remember that life's not about memorizing a bunch of you know, facts and, and details it's it's more about understanding everything that we go through in our life and how that develops in us into the person we are and the person we're going to be in the future. I love it. You know, that's a, a great gift that Professor gave you. Um, I guess it was on the show yesterday, Jim Cruzy made a great comment in alignment that he said, we are living in history. We just don't know it yet. And yes, when you exactly. think about that, it relates nicely to what you've just said. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about the National Corvette Museum? Ah, that's easy. Just Google search National Corvette Museum. You'll come up with corvettemuseum.org, which is the museum website. And all the information is on there from all the um, opportunities, you know, experiences you can have while you're here down to the detailed, you know, nitty gritty of the hours we're open to the cost of admission. There you go. And how can people access your podcast titled No Driving Gloves? So we're on most of the podcast apps that are out there on your phones, um, online. Just Google search No Driving Gloves or search on any of your um, apps that have podcasts and just search No Driving Gloves and we'll pop right up. There you go. You can enjoy Will and John and Sean and, of course, Derek on No Driving Gloves. Have some fun there as well. Listeners, you can find everything on Derek's show notes page. Again, just go to carsyad.com, type in Derek Moore, M-O-O-R-E, and his page will pop right up. Derek, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yeah listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Well, thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure, and uh, it's always a joy talking about the automotive world and automotive history. Absolutely. This has been fun. Thanks again. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting, but what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars Yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover 
and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.